have your Bible, go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13 in the Word of God. And we are going to, this month, have as our sermon series the theme for the month, Draw Near in Love. And today I want to bring you a message entitled just that, Draw Near in Love. And I'm going to say that it's probably not one of the typical lovey-dovey type messages that you might hear in a church that focuses on a social gospel. Uh, But I think really you'll find that it is a deeply biblical message, one that not only maybe in a few moments of time wants you to make you feel like you want to go home and stare at pictures of kittens on the internet, uh, but maybe it'll convict your heart. Vance Havner used to say that the job of the pastor is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And so I hope that in the course of this message, I might do just that, give some comfort. But at the same time, if you find yourself as it were at ease in Zion, maybe the Lord will use this message by His Spirit to nudge you outside of a comfort zone and encourage you to demonstrate your love in a way that uh, would express that you genuinely do love God. And uh, we're here in John chapter 13, and the Bible says in verse number 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour was come, that He should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved His own that were in the world, He loved them unto the end. He loved them unto the end. Let me just submit this to you this morning. That there is no place that you can go to that will ever separate you. There is no thing that you may ever do that will ever separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. That's a fact. He, He didn't just love them for a time. He didn't just... Love them when they were on their preaching journeys. He didn't just love them when they took up their cross and followed Him. He didn't stop loving them when Thomas doubted that He was risen. He didn't stop loving them when Peter, James, and John were arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom. No, He loved them all the way through. All the way to the end. All the way to the cross. And for eternity. I love that verse in Jeremiah 31 that says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. The Lord sets His affections upon you. And, and the fact is that, that He will love us eternally. We can count on that. And I believe that it is important for us to understand the context of this. And what we discover is that when Jesus in this passage reveals that He loved them unto the end, what follows that is Jesus taking a basin of water and a towel and washing the feet of the disciples. Now, time doesn't permit us to go through all the passages that I've chosen for this morning's message, but that is the context of it. So the Lord didn't just love them by saying, hey, fellas, I really love you, but rather what He did was He demonstrated that love by true loving servant leadership where he was lord of all and yet as an act of humility and love 
for the disciples, he took that basin of water and knelt down one by one in front of those disciples and he washed their dirty feet. Love is not something that you feel. Love is something that you choose to do. In Matthew chapter 15, and, and if you want to turn there, it might be helpful to you. Matthew chapter number uh, 15. Did I say 13? 15. Matthew chapter 15. <clears throat> I'm sorry if I misspoke. You're wearing a mask. <laughs> Seeing people wearing masks makes me nervous, you know. Um, Matthew chapter 15. Are you there yet? How many of you have kids? How many of you have ever taken a road trip? <laughs> How many of you have ever heard the words, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Every once in a while I call out a passage and I'm like, all right folks, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Come on. <laughs> but uh, Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 8, the Bible says, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In other words, they sang, Oh, how I love Jesus in the synagogue. No, they didn't. They said, Oh, how I love Jehovah, right? In the synagogue, but really when it came right down to it, that's where it ended. And the Bible reveals here that they drew near to the Lord with their lip and with their mouth, but their heart was far from Him. There is so much professed love in Christianity today, isn't there? There's no lack for it. In fact, you can turn on YouTube and you can spend the next 12 months and watch a different video every hour and never run out of videos to watch of preaching and music on the internet, so much of which purports to really love God. And I want to just say that upon a closer examination from the Word of God, we discover that much of that love is really what might be termed Pharisee love, right? Now we all know what puppy love is, right? How many of you know what puppy love is? Um, I, I think uh, I, I learned about puppy love way too early in my life. My heart was broken continuously, you know. And uh, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I, I, I was I was the one that. You know, I, I would follow girls around like a little lost puppy dog and want to buy their lunch and carry their books and things until and finally, you know, it was like, a, you go, they want to turn around and say, go home, you know, and uh, like I was that puppy, you know, that was following them around in love, you know, and I was the guy that couldn't, couldn't take the talk, you know, the, the, the girls would say, well, you know, I, I feel like I just want us to be friends. And I'm like, score! She wants to be my friend, you know? And that was just like encouragement to me. And that was her trying to dump me. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I would just tell them when I, when I started out, if you like me a little bit and you come to the point where you don't want me to be around anymore, don't beat around the bush. Just say, I hate your guts and I never want to see you again, all right? And I'll get the message. But we wanted the just friends talk. I didn't catch it. You know, I, I wasn't getting the subtle innuendos there. And, uh, but... You know, we know what puppy love is, but do we know what Pharisee love is? 
It's nothing close. It's to say, oh God, I really love you while everyone is watching. To hold your hands especially high in worship because that indicates that you really love Him, right? Or so we want others to think. But on Monday, there's not a modicum of love demonstrated in the life. You see, the Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And what the Lord was telling the rulers of the Jews was just this, that, look, you draw nigh unto me, you draw near to me with your lip and your mouth, but your heart is far from me. Folks, I'm telling you today that anybody can come to church and sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. But not everyone that does really does. And so the Lord spelled out the truth in His Word. He did not leave loving God up to our feelings to be directed by how we feel about Him. But He spelled it out in His Word. And today I want us to consider what the Bible has to say about drawing near in love. Lord, help us. To have the mind of Christ. Fill me with thy spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you to turn over to 1 John chapter 4. And I want to begin by focusing on Jesus. Is that alright? If it's not, then we're in the wrong place. Amen? So, we're going to focus on Jesus. We do that every time we get together. But I want us to... Consider, first of all, a word on love and Christ. A word on love and Christ. In 1 John chapter 4, the Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Now, let me pause and say, all true love of the divine sort, that's the enduring love that really is the fulfilling love, Okay, that comes from God. Now, this isn't my message, but I'm just going to let you in on this because I think we all need to know this. There's a reason why in the Bible there's a command, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And in most instances, we want to use that in relationship to marriage. We say that believers should not marry non-believers. How many of you are familiar with that? Let me see your hands. Okay, you heard that before. Now, let me just say, that's not just God restricting your life. That's not an uptight commandment by God trying to keep you from having fun. Okay? That is an all-knowing, all-wise, all-loving God keeping you from heartache because He does care. You know why? If you let your daughters marry unsaved, ungodly men, they will never be loved to the capacity that you hope they will be. At very best, their relationships will be two-dimensional and not fully dimensional. They will never know divine love as expressed through a spouse. It will not be a loving, comforting relationship 
in the spiritually difficult and taxing times of life. And what it will do is it will create a rift. And there'll be that unequal yoke where there may be a wife or a husband, as the case might be, that has a passion for Jesus and wants to go to church and serve Him. And it's only going to be a matter of time before they acquiesce and stay home just to keep peace in the house. And then they have no peace in their heart in the house. And it's a heartache. And I'm just simply saying to you that love is of God. And if someone does not have God in them, they do not have the capacity to express the kind of love that God commands a husband or a wife to give. And so, you're, you're always going to be longing for it and you'll never have it. And I'm, I'm just saying it straight. Some of you know. You know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Some of you know that from experience. And I'm sorry. The fact is, God is the only one that can give the kind of love that will fulfill you and comfort you at the deepest level. Love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for say it, God is what? Love. In verse 16, the Bible says, We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Say the next three words. God is love. Two times here in this epistle, we find the words, God is love. Now, the same apostle that wrote this epistle also penned the Gospel of John. And in John chapter 1, we hear these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, who is that speaking of? Speaking of Jesus, the God-man, verse 14, fleshes that out. The Word, meaning Jesus, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, what we know is this, that Jesus is God, and we know that God is love. And so, when we want to know how that we should love we simply need to look at the one who is love itself. Jesus is not just a great example of love, but He is the paragon of it. In other words, there is no higher, greater example or illustration of how we're to love. Did not the Lord say a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you? In other words, follow my example in loving. Okay, Understand that Jesus is the personification of love. He's not just a great example of love. He's the personification of it. So look, it says God is love. So Jesus is love itself. Everything that He does, He does in love for you. Let me say that again. Everything that He does, He does in love for you. For you, He does nothing in anger against you. Though you may at times come under His chastening hand and it feels very much uh, like it's not very fun, you're not enjoying this, that is not the anger of God because whom the Lord loveth, He what? 
Chasten it. So even when I am uncomfortable and I may not like the circumstances that I find myself in, it's much like a parent who loves a child enough to discipline them because they want them to grow up, to have a life of honor and to love the Lord Jesus. And they know that unless at times I make this child a little uncomfortable so that they will submit their will to God's will for their life, they will never become that. So I'm not doing this because I hate them. I'm doing what I do for them because I love them. And that's how God deals with us. Everything that He does. We understand the choice to love God comes from awareness of His love for us. Paul said, the love of Christ constraineth me in 2 Corinthians 5.14. You know what? That's not that he had such a great love for Christ that he couldn't help but serve Him. That's how most of us want to look at it. That I just have all this inherent goodness in me that loves God and, and I can't do anything but serve Him. And the fact of the matter is, inherently, we have nothing but corruptness and evil in us. Because that's what we've inherited from Adam, uh, who is the federal head of the human race and the father of us all. And so what we understand is that inherently we don't have it in us. And the Bible says in 1 John 4, 19, you're there, look at it, it says, we love Him because what? He first loved us. And so if we have any love for God, it's a response to the love that He showed to us first. And so we understand we're called also uh, to uh, love His appearing. And, and when we love Him as we should, uh, we're going to uh, love that. But understand, secondly, if we notice here in, in our message today, a word on love and commandments. A word on love and commandments. Go back to John chapter 13, would you? In John chapter 13... We find the Bible revealing here in verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you. He didn't say do it like grandma loved grandpa. He didn't say do it like you saw in the movies. He didn't say do it like uh, you read about in a book. No, do it, love one another as I have loved you. Okay, so he's the model of what we need to be doing, right? And so there's a lot of us that don't have any idea what that is, but we think, man, we're such loving people. And I think we need to go back to the book, amen, and, uh, and, and discover what it says. Now, in verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one to another. So here, the one who is love has given us a commandment, that we should love one another as He has loved us. Look at John 14 and verse number 15. Jesus said in the words written in red, If ye love me, keep my what? Commandments. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Now, I don't know about you, but I realize that the greatest commandment was ever laid upon me was to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. It's the greatest commandment that God ever gave. Uh, in fact, the Jewish people uh, were given that in, in, the, in the law of Moses. It's called the Shema. And every day they would say that in the morning and in the evening. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. And so that was something they said every morning and every evening. 
Now, the reality is simply this, that God has called us and commanded us to love Him. But that's not really uh, the only thing that we find in the Scripture as something that God has called for us to do. Though, if we love God as we should love God, and if we love others as we should love others, all the rest of the things that are written in the Scripture will find their place in our life. But the truth is that what it leads us to is the understanding of this, that love is not a feeling, it is a choice. How many of you are aware of that? Okay, now how many moms in the room today? Raise your hand up, let me see. There is a special love that only mothers have. And it's something that men kind of look at and we don't always fully comprehend. There's a love that mothers have for their children that is transcendent. Would you ladies agree with me on that? That that you you love your kids, and, and I'm not saying dads don't do this too, but you love them more than you love yourself. You love them more than you love life. And if it was them or you, it's not even a question in your mind, right? You, you, you'd jump in front of a, a moving vehicle to push them out of the way every day of the week and twice on Sunday because you love them, right? That, and, and there's something that's special about that. But that's not just a feeling that you have. That's a choice that you make every day. Now, every mother in here that raised their hand to say, yes, there is a special love that mothers have, for their children, you'll understand what I'm about to tell you. And that is that there are things that you do that are very difficult as a mother that you don't enjoy doing. True or false? How many of you have ever had a child wake up vomiting in the night? All right. Every mama in here has to raise her hand on that one, right? And uh, you know what mamas do? When they're tired and they got to go to work and it's three o'clock in the morning and the kids are vomiting and sick and crying. They don't cry for daddy because they know he's not coming. Right. I mean, it's just flat. Don't, you know, my my dad used to say, you know, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out, you know, and I believed him. So, you know, whenever whenever I had some distress in my life, I did what you did. I called for my mama because I knew she loved me more than anybody except Jesus, you know, and and uh, and true or false. And, and, and so, look, I, I, I would call for mom. And, and when your kids at 3 o'clock in the morning wake up vomiting or have diarrhea all over the bed, you go in there and say, Ick, you need to clean that mess up. Is that what you did? No. You, you know what you did? You know, I said, sweetie, come here, mama. Right? And, and, and you might have got a towel and wrapped them up in that and carried them into the bathtub. And while they were sitting in a bath that you drew for them, you went in and you stripped the bed, right? And you took took the sheets out and hosed them off, then put them in the washer, right? And then you you made the bed and you came checked on them. You took their temp, right? And you were tired and you didn't feel like it and you didn't like changing the mess. But you know what? You chose to love that child even when you didn't feel like it. That's what love does. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice that you make that's backed up by a commitment that is demonstrated by a conduct. 
and it's proven by a continuance. You just keep on keeping on. Folks, I want you to understand when we love God, we choose, we make the choice, even when it doesn't always feel good, to keep His commandments. When asked by the Pharisees which was the greatest commandment in the law, the Lord put it back on them in Matthew 22, and the Pharisee responded, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, and thy neighbor as thyself. And upon these two hang all the law and the prophets. And Jesus said, Thou hast stated correctly, uh, you know, keep these things and thou shalt live. The fact of the matter is that there was nobody that kept those. And yet, we know that that is the commandment that He has given to us. And the way that we discern this is that God said, if you love me, not put a bumper sticker on your car, not honk if you love Jesus. If you love me, not look at pictures of the crucifixion on your computer screen. No, he said, if you love me, not sing, oh, how I love Jesus, and wave your arms in church. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, live as I have called you to live. That is the way that you will express your love to me. Now, we know 1 John 5 too, uh, tells us that if we love Him, we'll keep His commandments. We know that the greatest commandment is to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength. Now, I want to just say something to you. How many of you are aware that in this age of grace, this dispensation of grace that we're living in, we're not under a law? How many of you know that? Okay, good. That's liberating, isn't it? But do you know what? Now we're under love. Right? Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever worked in a place where you had a supervisor that wasn't very nice? Let me see your hand. How many of you have worked in a place like that? Okay, I have too. Now, I've been in places where I've worked with supervisors that were not very nice. In fact, they were just jerks. Okay, can I say that in church right out loud? They were just jerks. And there was always someone who was always kissing up to the person. How many of you know that? Okay. And they were the one at Christmas time and birthday for the boss that would come around with the card. Are you with me? You're following? You're tracking. Some of you are like, and you know, they'd say, we're putting together a card for, uh, you know, the boss, or we're going to buy a gift, and we're asking everybody to t put in $10, and you know, if you put in the $10, then your name will be on the card. And you're like, that idiot. I, you know, I, that person would not walk across the street to spit on me if I was on fire. And now you're asking me to give them $10? I mean, I'm taking food out of my baby's mouths, but my name isn't going to go on the card. And you know what? My life will be miserable after their birthday or Christmas because they're going to take um, they're going to take attendance off of that birthday card. Right? So you know what you do? There's a stinking ten bucks. Right? You, you know what? You felt like you had to do it. Did you take any pleasure in it? Yes or no? No, you were kind of idiotic about it too. You are a little jerky about it too. You didn't take any pleasure in it, did you? Now, 
your firstborn child is having their third birthday. And, and mama comes and says, you know, we need to do something, but, you know, I only have $10. You're like, $10? We're not spending $10. This is our firstborn child. We're going to maybe spend a 1000 bucks. I'm not sure, but we're going to pull out all the stops. We're going to take them to Disney. We're going to do something for them, right? Did that happen for you, Shelby? No, I'm, I'm lobbying here for you. <laughs> and we're, we're going we're, we're gonna to break the bank on this one. And you know what? When you did and their eyes lit up like Christmas and they laughed with glee and with joy, you know what? It filled your heart and you wish that you would have done all that you did and so much more. And you know what? When you serve the Lord by love, you will do more with joy than what the law could have ever demanded of you. And what I want you to understand is that what the, that's exactly what the Bible teaches us in the allegory about grace and law found in Romans chapter 7. Now, we have been given a command. We often call it a commission. It's a great commission. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So, listen. All of us will stand up and say we love Jesus, but can all of us stand up and say I'm living His Word? Am I living out in my life that which He has called me to do? Well, the Great Commission is fundamentally the work and the purpose of the church, is it not? To go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? L listen, I think we can, we can really track those that are genuinely loving the Lord and drawing near to Him in love because they understand the delight and the joy that comes in basking in the love of God for them and returning that love to Him. And they don't want to keep it all to themselves. They want to share it with those that have never experienced it. And the fact is, my friend, that God has called you to give the gospel, not just the pastor. And the reality is, if you love Him, He'll keep His commandments. Now folks, it doesn't say, if you keep His commandments, He'll love you. Because He loves you even when you don't. Amen. But the reality is this, that when we truly desire to demonstrate our love to Him, then we are going to be walking in His will and in His way. And included in that is the commandments. Now I'm going to tell you, it's been difficult during this COVID season. Because there are a lot of folks that are afraid to engage someone because people want to keep their distance. We have become a lot more distant as a people and as a society during this year. It hasn't drawn people much closer together. And you know that as I do. We've, we've been afraid to give tracts because people think you're trying to give them COVID. And we've been told by lawyers and insurance companies and politicians that we shouldn't do it. And we've just complied too easily. But you know what I've found? If you ask God to open the door so that you can live His Word by telling others about Him, He's going to answer that prayer every day. He'll do it every day. I was discouraged a couple of few days ago because I, I, you know, it seemed like just things were happening. You know, people were going to heaven, people were getting sick with COVID, people were moving out of the area, and, you know, I, and, and we're not having people saved in the same measure that we're accustomed to for years and years, and, and I was a little low, and, and, and Jenny was out of the office with COVID, and I, I had to uh, meet a contractor at my house, and, um, 
and I, I didn't have time you know, to, to break away, but I, but I did it anyway. And there's a nice young man in his 20s, and uh, his name was Dominic, and he came in, and he did a, did a professional job, and he gave me the estimate, submitted it to me. And, and uh, he was done with his, his part, and he was ready to go. And I said, uh, would be all right if I walked you out to the car? He said, sure. So he took his bag and his things and went out to the car. I said, Dominic, can I talk to you for a second? He said, sure. I said, you know, you, you, I've already told you I'm a pastor. You asked me what I do. I said, this year I've seen quite a few people depart this life, some with COVID. And I said, you know, death is no respecter of age or person. And really all of us need to be ready to go whenever God appoints for that time in our life. I just want to ask you this question because I think you're a wonderful young man. Do you know for sure that if you died today that you'd go to heaven? He said, no, I really don't. He said, I used to go to the Church of Christ and nobody ever told me that. And uh, I said, could I have just a minute and tell you how you can know for sure? He said, sure. I said, you know, the Bible says something that we don't like to think about, but it's true. That we're all sinners. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I said, Dominic, would you agree with what God said right there? That we're all sinners. He got tears in his eyes. He said, yeah. I know I am. I said, me too. Began to lead him through the plan of salvation. That 27 or 8 year old young man stood there in the street crying like a baby. Now he didn't write there pray to receive the Lord, but he heard the whole gospel. I think he was looking at my neighbors that were watching what was happening there. And I told him, I said, Dominic, you don't have to be in a church or with a preacher to get saved. You can get in that car, you can drive around the corner. And you can just cry out to the Lord and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. And I need you to forgive me. Come into my life and forgive me. And save me so that I can know that heaven is mine. And I said, the God that loves you so much, He died for you. has promised that if you would ask Him, He'll save you. And I gave Him my card and I said, you know, if you make that decision... I'd sure love to hear from you. Or even if you don't, if you have any questions, call me. He took my card. He said, I'll be calling you. I'm looking forward to it. But you know, I wanted to just say, not to toot my horn. I wish I did that every day. There are days I get so wrapped up in what I have to do that the opportunities that God presents me with, I overlook. But when God is my passion, it's not my last thought, but my first thought. And Jesus said, if you love me, not sing a praise song, not get a bumper sticker or wear a pin, he said, keep my commandments. And we all believe in our heart of hearts that we love God. 
And if the test of that is whether or not we're walking in His will and in His way, according to thus saith the Lord, not how we feel about it. How are we doing? I want to give you a word on love and communion, and I'm not going to have you turn there in the interest of time. Time is is never my friend on Sunday morning. A word on love and communion. In Luke chapter 7, we find the story of a woman of disrepute who came to the house of Simon the, the Pharisee who had invited Jesus to come to his house for dinner. And this woman of disrepute came in and she wiped the feet of Jesus with her tears and the hairs of her head, continuously kissed his feet. And Simon was filled with indignation within himself and he thought if this man were truly a prophet, he would know what manner of woman this is. And so Jesus used a parable to teach Simon something. And he said there was a debtor that had two men that owed him. One owed him 500 pence, the other owed him 50. And because they could not pay, he forgave them both. And he said, which one of those men loved him the most? And he said, well, the one that was forgiven the most. And then he said to Simon, when I entered your home, you, you didn't wash my feet. You gave me no kiss as a greeting of honor. You did none of these things. But this woman, from the moment I set foot here, has not ceased to kiss my feet and wash them with her tears and this ointment. And he said, because she has been forgiven much, she loves much. You know, not until you come to the realization that you're a stinker without Jesus, that there's nothing lovable about you outside of Christ, and that if you got your just desserts and the same for all of us, we would die in our sins and go to a devil's hell. But God in love has forgiven us much. And so then therefore we should love Him much. And when she understood that, she found herself at the feet of Jesus, bestowing her love on Him with kisses and ointment and tears, showing humility, showing contrition, showing love for what God had done. Three times in the Gospels we find women washing the feet of Jesus. Here this nameless woman in the house of Simon. Another time we find Mary of Bethany anointing the feet of Jesus and bestowing love, lavish love upon Him because of the love that He showed to her family when Jesus raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. Another was when Mary Magdalene washed the feet of Jesus as well. And, and let me just simply say that Mary of Bethany loved the Lord with gratitude and she demonstrated it with the sacrifice of her life. But in every case, those that loved the Lord loved because He first loved them he forgave them. And they loved Him much. And I want to just say this to you. 
that when we love the Lord as we ought to love Him, it will always find us at the feet of Jesus. Three times we find Mary of Bethany dealing with Jesus. And every time, she was sitting at His feet. At the feet of Jesus. Love is... Love for God is not just going out and knocking on doors and telling people about Jesus. Love is sometimes just sitting there and telling Jesus how grateful you are for all He has forgiven you. And loving Him, not for what He gives you or does for you, but simply for who He is. You know, on purpose, I... I tell people at times, you know, I want you to understand something. I've told Andy this, Jan. I said, Andy, I want you to know that Linda and I love you. Not because you can sing and play the piano beautifully. If you couldn't play a note on the piano and if you couldn't carry a tune in a sack, we love you for you not for what you can do. That's how God loves us. Not for what we can do for Him, but because it's His nature to love you. He loves you unconditionally. Every once in a while, we should find ourselves at His feet just thanking Him for that. Just telling Him how much we love Him for who He is, not just for what He does for us. Notice a word on love and consecration. And in James chapter 4, we find the half-brother of Jesus saying something that on its face appears extremely harsh. He's addressing these Jewish believers and calling them, in verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses, and saying, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And, and what we find is that this love that we are called to will be a loyal love that doesn't two-time on Jesus. There are those that say, oh, I love God. And they want to sing about it on Sunday, but live for the things of this world on Monday. And the reality is that you're exactly the person that James is referring to when he says ye adulterers and adulteresses. And that is a title that no one wants to ever have to carry. The truth is, we, we see it as a scarlet letter to be shunned, and yet whenever we understand the love that Jesus has bestowed upon us and that He has become our eternal bridegroom and we are His bride as members of the church, we, we, we understand this, that we owe Him a debt of love and loyalty. That means I'm going to consecrate myself to Him and to Him alone. Now, my wife knows that I am unwilling to share her affections with any other man. I'm just not going to do it. She is unwilling to share my affections with any other woman. And she has as my wife, and I have as her husband, something that we might call the right to exclusivity. How many of you are with me on this? And God, as our eternal husband, as the Bible portrays Him, 
has the right of exclusivity over us. That's why the Bible says in verse 5, Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Do you know what that is telling us? That the Spirit tries to woo us away from our mistress of the world because He loves us and He doesn't want to share affection with His enemy, the world. Do you understand? And so realize that love calls us to a life of consecration. And we know that in the book of Matthew, that there in chapter number 6, the Bible reveals this truth. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon meaning uh, that which we can monetize, the material things of this world and or money. The truth is there are people that come to church and sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. And they wave their hands to try to make everybody believe that it's true. But on Monday morning, they begin to proceed to live their life as though there were no God. Living for the things of this world. My friends, the Bible says that we're to set our affections on things above, not on things of the world. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. For when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. And I need to come to the place where I recognize that there is no way, no how, that I can say, God, I love you, while I'm holding hands with the world. Through the years, I've done a great deal of counseling, not as much anymore because people don't want that level of accountability in their life. But folks, and I shared this in Sunday school, I've had times where I've had people who were involved in adulterous affairs that said, but I really love my husband, or I really love my wife. And, and, And you're sitting there thinking you have a really strange and perverse way of expressing it. If you really love your wife, you're going to be faithful to her. If you really love your husband, you're going to be faithful to him. Not, not sit here saying, you know, I'm really betwixt and between because I think this woman down at the office is my soulmate. And, you know, I really love spending time with her. Listen, folks, you can't serve two masters. You can't be in love with two women. It, do, you, do you understand? In a relationship like that. And what I'm saying is that it's an impossibility for you to love this world and its things while at the same time expressing your, your unfounded love, your, I mean, your, your, your unbounded love for Jesus Christ. You can't do it. Now, loyal, loyalty is a dirty word today in many people's languages. People church hop all the time. They, they go from, from one church to the next without any thought about it. Um, they... They, they really don't have a great loyalty to things that are truly important unless they think it advantages them. I know people that are more loyal to a, to a boss that would fire them in a New York minute than they are to the God that gave His life for them. You see, essentially, in Exodus 20 and verse 3, which is the first commandment that God gave in the law, He said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God doesn't want to take a back seat in your life to anyone or anything. 
People tell me all the time, my, my family means everything to me. And I understand where that's coming from. Because we all feel that way sometimes. But the reality is, your family can't be everything. While at the same time saying, Jesus is everything. That's why Jesus said, if any man come after me and hate not his father and his mother's brother and his sister, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And what Jesus was saying there was not hate your family. What he was saying is, if the love that you have for me does not by comparison cause all other loves in your life to seem as hatred, then you're not loving me as you ought to. In other words, God says, I don't want to take a back seat to your mama or to your husband, or to your children. And yet I know so many people, and I know this is unpopular to say, but that's all right, it's true, that love their kids more than they love God. And that they'll call off church for some know-nothing, no-account event in the child's life. But they would never even dream of telling a kid, you, you can't go to that soccer practice because we have a commitment at church. Never dream of saying, we're going to plan our vacation around the church calendar. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? And, and I wonder what's driving all of that. Lastly, I want to say this, and we'll be done. Some of you... Are, are really working hard to stay with me, and I appreciate it. Are you with me? Say, say amen, all right, nod at me, all right. Some, some of you are a little droopy-eyed, and it's hard with the mask on. I know to breathe, and uh, some of you have passed out already. And uh, some of you, you know, and I'm, I appreciate that, because, you know, every once in a while, I, see, I just see this. And what that means is I give up. He doesn't have anything to say today that I'm interested in hearing, but this means he might have something worth staying awake to hear. So I really appreciate it, all right? So thanks for the bobbing. <laughs> you look like bobbleheads in church. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, hey, that's what we're going to give away, and I love my church Sunday, bobbleheads of the preacher, you know. <laughs> Put it in the back window of your car. <laughs> and that way I can show you what you look like every Sunday. <laughs> No, I, I, I want to say one last thing. A word on love and conversation. Now, all this has to do with our relationship and love relationship with the Lord. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He's the example of how we're to love. He, he, he wants us to express it through communion with Him as those three women who washed His feet and were at the feet of Jesus worshiping Him. And consecration. He doesn't want to share your affections with anybody else. And, and we see here, conversation and in the bible the word conversation means your lifestyle and first john three eighteen says beloved let us not love in word neither in tongue but in deed and in truth and what that means is don't just say you love god live a life of love for him it's a lifestyle, you understand? It's not just something you do on Sunday. It's something you live out in your life every day. God calls us to live a life of love for Him and for others. So love is not something simply that we feel about God. It's something that we choose to do. Love is just not some emotion that we feel. 
Two weeks ago, I received a call in the office from a person that had been out of church for uh, over a year since before COVID and had not been back and called to say, Pastor, I'm so sorry. I've been out of church and I've been using every excuse under the sun and and just was sharing some prayer requests and some needs in their life and, and saying, I'm really sorry. And I said, you know, let me just say this to you. Out of sight is not out of mind. And I said, I want you to know I love you. It was a pause and a silence. And then I heard sobbing. And when they composed themselves, they said, the first person that has said those words to me in over a year. And it occurred to me. Folks, I know we're not to love in word, neither in tongue. But folks, say what you mean, mean what you say, do what you say you're going to do. Tell people you love them. But don't just do that. Let them see it. Let me say this. Tell Jesus you love Him. But don't just tell Him. Prove it. Prove it. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Love is that thing that will ultimately win the day. It will win the day for a believing woman married to a non-believing man as she lives out a life of love for God and her husband. He'll be converted. Not through her preaching, but through a loving lifestyle lived before God and man. I want to say that there's a verse, passage of Scripture that you've memorized. And yet, I think we need to consider it. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not love, I become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. You know, we say we love God all the time. But based on the reality of God's truth, does that bear out in our lives? You know, in 2 Timothy 4.8, we know that God has promised a reward to all them that love His appearing. This weekend, Linda and I were planning to have some family over and we were excited about it. We were going to have a few hours of downtime and cook on the grill if we could. And, and uh, knowing that People were coming down with COVID and everything. I went out and got tested. And then, you know what? We took a number of hours and, and we brought out the steam cleaners and the disinfectants. And, and you know what? We did a deep clean. I'm not talking about we just kind of wiped everything down. I'm talking about we took everything out. We deep cleaned everything before we put it all back together, you know, with steam cleaners and with disinfectants and, and we shined everything so it looked perfect and beautiful in every way because we were so excited that those we love were coming. The Bible says that we're to love is appearing and that doesn't just say, mean that, 
oh, I can't wait till the rapture. That's the person that's saying, when my husband comes home from work, I can't wait for him to find the proof of how much I love him when he gets here. It's that husband that says, when my wife comes home from the ladies' retreat, I want her to, when she walks in the door, know how much I missed her and see a tangible expression of the fact that I love her. It's the person that says, when Jesus comes, I want Him to find me doing His will. I want Him to see me with hands that are clean and a heart that's pure. I want to be faithful in church when He comes. I want to be consistent in His Word and in prayer. And I sure want to be telling others about Him. You know, the truth is, I wonder if Jesus came today, what He would discover in your life. If you really love His appearing, you're going to get ready for it. You're going to kind of, as it were, do a deep clean. Because you care. Because you love Him. We say we love God. At least that's what the bumper tells us. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my The good news is that He still loves you even when you don't. He never said, honk if you love me. Anybody can do that. Amen. Lord God, thank You for this morning. Thank You for these people that are gathered here. Help us, Lord, to take to heart what Your Word is telling us. And Lord, I pray that we would not just love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Our heads are bowed for just a moment. No one is looking about. I know that this is a message that sometimes crosses the line with people. It makes them feel a little uncomfortable. But do you know, if, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, then that's what He wanted you to experience and so in this holy moment if there's someone here this morning saying pastor in my heart of hearts I believe that I love the Lord but I'm not sure that my life is bearing it out day by day but that's my passion that's my desire I want my life to reflect a genuine love for Jesus and if that's the desire and passion of your heart, and you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm finding too many days where it's not bearing out, but I want it to be every day of my life. Pray for me. Here's my hand. I wonder if you just lift it up. God bless you. Many hands, many hands. God bless you. Then perhaps there's someone in the room today that would say, Pastor Mark, I, I'm not even really sure that if I died today that I would go to heaven not sure that I'm saved and my sins are forgiven and I'm concerned about it. And if that's you, I don't want to embarrass you at all. I don't want to single you out. 
but I'd just love to have the privilege of remembering you in prayer. And so if that's you today, you're not sure that you're going to heaven, not sure that your sins are forgiven, and you're concerned about it, I wonder if you just slip your hand up while no one is looking except me. Say, pray for me, Pastor. Here's my hand. Don't embarrass me, but please pray for me. Here's my hand. Just slip it up and write back down. I'll see your hand. Is there one? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I would invite you to stand to your feet and I know that God is working in hearts. Lord, I come to you at this moment lifting these many people who have indicated that their passion and desire is to love you, to draw near in love with their life and not just their lips. That every day their life would bear out the reality of how much they truly love you. And Lord, I pray that that would be all of our desire. Lord, I pray that each of us gathered here today would have the confidence of sins forgiven and the knowledge of a home in heaven. Lord, I pray that if we have that, that we would not keep it to ourselves. Help us to carry that message to a world that's dying for love. Lord, I pray that you would be with our church family that desires to assemble, but right now they can't. Lord, I pray that you would grant comfort where it is needed, that you would grant healing where it is needed. And may you be praised. For this we ask in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Folks, thank you for choosing to be in the house of the Lord today. I I get carried away talking sometimes. Pray for me. I'll preach shorter every once in a while. Uh, but, you know, I some of this stuff, I just feel like I need all of it. Maybe you do too. And uh, But uh, I really want to love the Lord like this. And I don't do it every day like I should, but that's my desire. I, don't, I want to be a better pastor than I am. I want to be a better husband and father. Pray for me too, as I pray for you, that we would together draw near in love day by day.